your voice counts, right? There are others out there like you who are ready to come along and, and work with you. So start where you are, see what's happening, see how you can help. Is it a community that you can organize? Is there a message board um, um, that you can be part of and um, educate yourself? in terms of understanding the true impact of some of these healthcare and societal issues that are happening. Hi everyone, and welcome to Inner Wealth, the Forbes Ignite podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Kakal, CEO of Forbes Ignite. And every week I'll be sharing with you my conversations with unique, creative, and innovative people across all different industries. These are people who are intellectually curious explorers who are also redefining what it means to be successful today. From personal to professional, we cover it all to understand what drives our guests to blaze their own trails and create nimble solutions within the industries that touch each of our lives. Our guest today is Noella Bijirimana, one of the most knowledgeable and passionate people I know who works within the healthcare system and beyond. She serves as the strategic advisor to the Director General at the Rwanda Biomedical Center and is also on the advisory board of Youth Combating Neglected Tropical Diseases. She's done amazing work at the forefront of healthcare innovation and is one of my favorite interdisciplinary thinkers that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. She's really opened my eyes to seeing specific healthcare challenges as a societal problem, not just a healthcare problem. We talk about how people can get involved with combating these societal issues by using their voice for good and joining others in the cause. She is incredibly inspiring and I know you're gonna love what she has to say. Here's our chat. Hi, Noella. How's it going? Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, Hi, Nicole. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be part of today's conversation. I'm really excited to have you because I've I've been really looking forward to having this conversation. And I know we've been working together for the past couple of months and we had the opportunity to meet earlier this year. And I just have so many questions for you. You just, you inspire me every time we speak. And I know that a lot of people would really love to learn about your story. So one of the things that inspired me the most when we first met was just understanding what led you to the current work that you're doing today. But the definition of healthcare is being drawn more broadly, and there's so many innovations happening. I'd love to hear more about your journey when you came to the U.S. and throughout your schooling and throughout your career and what brought you back to Rwanda. Yes. So, so perhaps a little bit about um, uh, my background. So I was uh, born in Burundi and I was raised between two countries. I was raised between Burundi and Rwanda. And these two sisters countries went through uh, a genocide in 1993 and 1994, respectively. So, you know, on one hand, you have this childhood that's, you know, going into, you know, devastating and, and tragic history. Uh, but then you grow up in a country uh, like Rwanda that has high aspiration for rebuilding a stronger social fabric after the 1994 genocide against the Tutsis. And then you see that, you know, the country is emerging, the country is, is, is rooted in its most valuable assets, the people. And that ties into my own story. Um, so both my parents are healthcare professionals, and and so my my dad is um, he's retired now, but he's a doctor, he's a histopathologist, and my mom is a trained uh, nurse, uh, surgical nurse, who's also um, a healthcare manager. So you know some of the early childhood memories are around healthcare, right? Around being in a community clinic uh, with my mother and really seeing what 
those socioeconomic um, communities go through and, and the tough conditions that they go through. So I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to pursue a career and an education in healthcare. And that became sort of a clear choice early on. And um, so after my schooling in Rwanda, um, I was fortunate to uh, get a scholarship to go to the U.S. and specifically to study biology. So I did the biology and, and society. Uh, it was called Human Biology, Health and Society at Cornell University. At that time, I am a pre-med. I'm preparing to apply to medical school and I'm, you know, full on doing the research and, and the volunteering and, and really immersing myself in, in sort of the clinical context. Little by little, though, through working with organizations like Team Heart, um, my focus, and they provide cardiac surgery in Rwanda, my focus starts to shift uh, at that time and to look at the healthcare as an entire system. So to looking at the policies, the management, the human resources, the information system, basically all these components that makes it um, possible for, for, for somebody to, to be able to access care. And um, so slowly by slowly, that's, um, that's been my journey into where I am today. Um, uh, cut to, I think, 2016. And by that time, I was done with my master's. And, and I, it was very clear early on that I really wanted to come back to my own healthcare sector. Uh, my own healthcare system in, in Rwanda. So after just uh, a little bit of a, um, a turn towards uh, Western Africa, because there was a, uh, I did an assignment in Western Africa in the post Ebola. Uh, and around 2016 um, in Guinea-Conakry, the country is, is rebuilding itself. And so I got a chance to look at what other healthcare systems look like and what focus um, they have after such a, you know, so such a crisis. And uh, yeah, so it, it took me back to the healthcare sector where I am now. And so I get to work with a healthcare manager at the national level within the Rwanda Biomedical Sector uh, Center, which is where I work within the Ministry of Health. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be in roles that can, where I can contribute to shaping the policies and the national programs. Programs. That's that is incredible. And what I would love to learn is what was your experience like as you were going through your education and you were studying medicine and you were essentially going through a shift in your career as you gained more experience. You it, it more or less molded the direction that you're going in with working generally with policies and, and not specifically within medicine but healthcare more broadly. So I would love to learn. When did you know and how did you go through this career shift and how did you feel during this experience? Yes, it was. Uh, so th this is after my, uh, so I had just graduated from uh, with a bachelor degree and a pre-med degree. And again, the focus at the time was still in sort of the clinical context. So I worked with an organization called Team Heart and they are based, they are based, at that time they were based in Boston within uh, the Harvard healthcare system and the Brigham and Women's uh, Hospital. So I would split my time between working in Boston and um, surgical trips or missions that we would take to, to Rwanda. Um, so, you know, I would find myself interacting with uh, the patients that would come for consultations with, with, with this team of, of doctors and surgeons. And, and so little by little through talking to the patients, you learn about their story. 
um, most of the patients had rheumatic heart disease. And this is a disease that is, you know, caused by bacteria. It starts as an infection that can um, turn to rheumatic fever and then rheumatic heart disease, which attacks your heart and evolves in your heart. And as it progresses, it becomes a life and death situation. So as I'm speaking to, to, to these patients, you realize it's, it's broader than the healthcare system, right? So along the way, there were several steps which um, could have been taken earlier on to avoid getting to this situation. So uh, I started talking to patients about insurance, about who they saw, how they came there, and, you know, sort of the, um, the system... Um, systemic elements that were in place or not in place that could have helped. So I think along the way, the, the shift happened, I think, organically, uh, because little by little, you realize that there are many ways that you can work um, or impact a healthcare sector. And so although I started with a focus on one-on-one -on -one, uh, sort of patient consultation, um, you, you kind of see it from a perspective of a, of a system and the specific role of governance and leadership becomes very clear early on, right? So you're able to look at how could we have prevented these diseases? And more importantly, and this is the shift I think that you talked about, healthcare, uh, not as a uh, uh, just curing uh, somebody who's sick, but keeping people healthy, right? And, and that wellness and, and um, becomes into, uh, comes into the picture. What I love the most about your journey is specifically how, how you learned from the patient perspective, not only to be able to understand um, the broader sense of the healthcare system, but also understanding the patient journey. And this is a really human-centered way of approaching a set of challenges. And I really commend you for the shifts that you made, which was informed by a human-centered perspective. I'd love to know, based on your experience with Team Heart, how did that influence the next steps that you took in your career? Yes. So as I mentioned, the focus at the time with Team Heart was on um, uh, cardiovascular diseases, specifically rheumatic heart disease. And um, as, as I worked with my master's degree, so the master's degree I did was um, this program that's focused on health systems thinking and really looking at that broader perspective, seeing how different elements of a healthcare system uh, the human resource, the supply, the patient journey that interacts with all these different elements, how to uh, basically, uh, how these elements impact and how uh, or interact together and, and um, how one can impact them. I started to look at other diseases as well. Um, and, and so the mass, once I completed the master's degree, um, I started to look at diseases that were, um, I want to say, under um, underreported. Um, or not receiving enough attention. So typically when, you, when you're in the policy uh, sphere, um, a lot of the diseases that um, have like a high mortality rate will attract attention. The ones that, you know, um, don't have as high mortality rates, but have high impact on a person and you know, human beings, uh, sometimes are not as um, attended to. So in particular, I became very interested in neglected tropical diseases. And um, this is a group of, of 20 diseases. And very few people can pronounce these names. <laughs> Yet some of them have been around for, for, some of these diseases have been around for thousands of years. And so some of the neglected tropical diseases are uh, schistosomiasis or bilarga, oncocoriasis, which is known as a river blindness. 
um, lymphatic uh, filariasis. And, and diseases like these impact 1.5 billion people in the world. 1.5 billion is such an important, you know, and such a significant number. And most of these people impacted are uh, vulnerable people in disadvantaged areas. And these diseases are causing disabilities such as blindness or causing pain, deformities. Um, in children, they hinder cognitive development. And you start realizing from, so there, that's the human perspective, that's the patient perspective. You, you start to realize there's also an economic impact because these diseases are keeping people from, from working, children from going to school and overall economies from thriving. Um, and, and so this is something important to keep in mind, the impact that really is beyond the healthcare sector. It's, it's societal. Right, it has this wider socioeconomic impact and implications, and uh, yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Right, you have uh, poverty that really leads to diseases, and these diseases that push people further into poverty, and and so this just a cycle. I'm really glad that you brought that up because neglected tropical diseases is a pure example of how these challenges are not exclusive to just the healthcare system, but it's also a societal problem and how it's. Like you mentioned, it's a vicious cycle. Based on your research and the work that you do, how has that helped shape your purpose, not just in your career, but in your life in general? Yes, thank you. I, I think so. I, I here I would I would just grow back to I guess my childhood and the upbringing. So so because I grew up in this society um, in in Rwanda, a society that um, supports women and um, you know that 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 gave me equal rights, same opportunities as my brothers. And really, I was very aware of these expectations, the expectations of giving back, of contributing to rebuilding of societies. And um, so you see yourself differently and, and you see the importance of saying what role can, can one play. Coming back to the neglected tropical diseases as an example, diseases that are having such a high impact in the community, you, you realize that, you know, like the work that I do at the Rwanda Biomedical Center is really an opportunity to work directly with uh, communities that are impacted because the Rwanda Biomedical Center runs the national program against these diseases. Um, so that's in Rwanda. But beyond Rwanda, I started connecting to other young people that were really vocal in this space and really working, playing a central role in the fight against neglected tropical diseases. And as we said, these are societal, societal as well. So I started becoming um, active in in this space of advocating for the central role of young people. Because uh, again, in Rwanda, I've been given a chance to, um, to 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 be able to shape these programs, regardless of the age, regardless of the gender. I'm given the same opportunities as any of my colleagues. And um, so, looking beyond Rwanda, I realized there, there was a group of people that were working within this space that had um, such a central role. Um, and these are young people. And uh, so I, I, I was really um, fortunate to, to become a chair of the advisory board of an organization called um, Youth Combating NTDs, so Youth Combating Neglected Tropical Diseases. And it has an incredible group of young leaders and experts and nearly 1,000 youth champions across uh, four continents. And so the idea became, what can we do to eliminate these diseases within this decade? It's possible. It's, it's feasible. We know the causes. We know what can be done. Um, what kind of 
um, pers- what kind of other perspective of not being considered that could uh, perhaps allow us to get there uh, to the elimination of these diseases faster. Um, yeah, so today was actually a landmark day for MTD uh, and the neglected tropical disease community because the roadmap, which was put ahead by the World Health Organization saying, here's some of the things we can do over the next decade, has been endorsed today by all member states of the WHO. So countries are coming around the same roadmap saying, we can do this. That's incredible. It's a huge milestone. And I would love to know, what is your message for the young people that are getting involved who want to make a difference and who are following in your footsteps? So so for the young people that are feeling uh, very close to uh, any, we're talking health sector, but any societal issue that is happening around them that they've experienced personally or that they're seeing around them. We are fortunate to be in an era where we have uh, just, you know, the world is so interconnected and we have social media. We, you know, we are able, you and I are able to talk and we're miles and miles away. Uh, same with young people all over the world. They can organize around an issue, um, engage others like themselves, really truly be impactful in their immediate communities or other communities. I think that would be my, my message. What I find common across all different types of missions and different types of initiatives is first and foremost is educating yourself. Once you've educated yourself and learned from varying perspectives, it's all about really seeing if, if there's communities to join. And if there isn't one, then starting and organizing to create a community. There's always a place for somebody. And so you are definitely an inspiration for, for not just the youth, but for people all over the world who want to make a difference. And so I really commend you for what you're doing. What is the future for the work that you're doing in Rwanda right now that you hope to see within the next five years? And how are you mobilizing the community there to, to really reach these goals? Yeah, that's such a, an important question because, because we're in very difficult times. We're in the middle of a pandemic and um, a lot of the work, um, a lot of our lives have been interrupted um, and the impact has been so broad uh, um, and especially within the healthcare sector. Because I think if you look at any country in the world, um, the healthcare sector, uh, really the society has been stretched to its limit, uh, specifically this healthcare sector where you have such a high uh, demand for, for, for services and, and, and for human resources, for supplies and different elements. Um, when I think of the, the, the future uh, over the next five years, you know, I, I, I see uh, myself continuing to work in, in the healthcare sector um, addressing infectious diseases, in, including um, outbreaks like what we are experiencing right now with the coronavirus. But I also see myself um, working with, with the, within the healthcare policy um, to continue to tackle these rising um, numbers in terms of chronic diseases, um, cancers, cardiovascular diseases, diabetes, and others. But I'm also seeing an increasing focus in digital healthcare. Digital healthcare is an era, not just a trend, uh, as many have said. It's truly an era of leveraging digital tools to do what we do and being able to optimize our resources. We've, I've seen in Rwanda just the impact of the digital tools that the digital tools can have 
in in fighting these diseases. Um, so, so I see an increasing focus on um, also precision medicine, artificial intelligence, and what these fourth industrial revolution technology can do to help a country like Rwanda uh, that is forward looking um, to achieve its its you know its goal, its stated goal of of improving community healthcare and population outcomes. That's really exciting, and I know that you're doing. You're not just doing incredible work within Rwanda, especially during this pandemic. You're really helping the ministries of healthcare really understand what you can do countrywide, and you're doing an amazing job. When it comes to digital healthcare in the future, um, not just now but also within the next couple of years, you're also uniting a lot of different perspectives from different economies as well. And forming a coalition is really important. And I'd love to know some of the work that you've done. They are outside of Rwanda, and how you've been able to, to to really bring back some perspectives into your own work. Yeah, I, as you said, it's it's very important to to work, um, you know, bringing different perspectives around uh, these common, you know, these long, some of them are long term issues within healthcare. Um, for the past year, or so in 2018, 2019, I I was embedded in the precision medicine team at the World Economic Forum. Um, and at the central, specifically at the center for the fourth industrial revolution, and this is in San Francisco, I went there as a government of Rwanda fellow. So my my government seconded me to the World Economic Forum, and and so to to develop basically um, genomic data policy, and and really look at the future in terms of precision medicine and the adoption of precision medicine in uh, emerging economies like like Rwanda, and so around that same table, you would have so many perspectives um, from, uh, you know, we would have leaders in ethics, in, in policy, and in government, in pharma, in community, and um, civil societies. It was just so inspiring to be able to be in, in these rooms that are saying, well, here's, it's no longer the future. Let's not even call it the future because um, these are use cases and they're happening. Uh, but to be able to say from a person's perspective, what, you know, how, how do we promote security, privacy, um, uh, and, and consent? How do we make sure that the benefit sharing is actually done um, in a way that doesn't disadvantage certain countries or certain population or communities that are, are um, have been traditionally marginalized, and so th- this is uh, th- this is one of the ways that that I've been able to to bring in these different perspectives um, from just players across the world. So I've had I've personally had the opportunity to to learn more specifically about the contributions that you're making with Forbes Ignite as well. And uh, moving forward, an initiative on ne- neglected tropical diseases is something that I'm very excited about specifically for our fellowship program, which we'll be launching in the next couple of months or so. What are your greatest hopes with launching an initiative for neglected tropical diseases? And what are some of the outcomes that you're hoping to see from the fellowship program? Yes, I I have to say it is quite an exciting time to be able to um, have a platform like Forbes Ignite uh, through the fellows and through other avenues uh, to to really focus on this um, as, as one of the areas for, for the fellows uh, to, to look at, because as I just mentioned, um, these diseases are, you know, have been around for a long time and they're impacting billions of people in the world, 
right? So a lot of the progress that has happened um, has happened because we, we've had coalitions, powerful coalitions come together and say, well, uh, we can truly attain, um, I would say, a sort of, you know, we can contain neglected tropical diseases to levels that are below endemic. When we talk about elimination, it takes the next level, right? Being able to go back to uh, what is being done currently and say, well, among the programs that are happening at country level, at global level, what has happened before and um, where are the gaps or the barriers? You know, where are the barriers that are still standing and how do we tackle those barriers? You know, some of the things that we just mentioned in terms of uh, digital health tools could be some of the tools that are used. But, you know, human-centered thinking is, is um, you know, an, another type of approach that can truly help us keep the individual at the center of whatever we're doing. Um, and, and perhaps in terms of outcomes, what I, my hope and what I, what I hope to achieve working with uh, Forbes Ignite and, and the fellowship programs and is really truly to, to find new ways that maybe perhaps have not yet been explored, especially addressing or tackling the barriers that are still in the way at you know, community, national, global level, new ways of thinking, right? Being cross-cutting, um, bringing in somebody with you know, no background in healthcare, but being able to get some of the lessons that we've learned from you know, other successes in different sectors and being able to adopt them and say, well, how can we use it to tackle these diseases that are impacting vulnerable com you know, communities around the world? Exactly. And we're so excited about that because we are huge advocates for interdisciplinary thinking and the benefits from learning from not just these unique life experiences, but also varying experiences across different industries. That's important to learn to basically be inspired by non-obvious places where we can come up with solutions that are that potentially have never would have been thought of otherwise. So for those who are listening who are interested in learning more about neglected tropical diseases or what they can do, what would you recommend for them? Yes, so I think there's many platforms that you can use to learn what's happening in, in terms of neglected tropical disease, the impact of neglected tropical disease, one of them being the platform that I'm fortunate to be part of, the Youth Combating Entities, and that's online. You can just Google Youth Combating Entities. We are active on social media and we are active highlighting the efforts that are happening across the world. Um, another good source of information is the World Health Organization, the WHO, that usually has all these statistics um, in all the countries and can share, you know, can really give you a, a, pr a good perspective on, on what's happening. We just published an article in the World Economic Forum agenda that looks at uh, how to remain focused on neglected tropical disease in the midst of a pandemic. I want to thank you so much today for sharing your perspective and sharing your life experience so that people listening can also understand that you too can find your purpose and really inspire others to follow in your footsteps based on seeing what's around you, really paying attention to what you can do by educating yourself and also forming the communities that either have been formed or haven't been formed. And you taking that first step 
to really aligning different people's perspectives to make a change. So thank you so much, Noella. And it was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much, Nicole, for, for having me. And I very, very much look forward to continue our, our engagement with uh, Forbes Ignite, with the fellows and what's ahead. I think for now, I think in terms of tackling neglect or tropical disease, this interdisciplinary approach, this unique way, uh, these unique individuals coming together will truly certainly lead to uh, very exciting outcomes. And I really very much look forward to, uh, to staying connected. That's it for this week's episode of Inner Wealth. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and that you'll join us next week as we continue to explore all the ways success is being redefined in our ever-changing world. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite podcast app. And follow us on Instagram at Forbes Ignite for more thought-provoking content and opportunities to engage with us. I'm your host, Nicole Kakal. Thanks for joining us.